This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Thursday, March 9th, I wish you the happiest of National American Paddlefish Days. Could not be happier to be here with another Ohio State Buckeye win. In today's show, we're going to tell the story of how Ohio State won its second game of the Big Ten tournament, upsetting Iowa 73-69. to Not only will we discuss that in its fullest, we will also go over some post-game comments and preview Ohio State's next matchup. They will play three games in three games, now heading up against the Michigan State Spartans. Welcome in. We've got some new fans of the show. We've seen some increase not only in our listenership, but also in those following our Twitter page at the Shop Pod. Special shout out to any new listeners out there. Please subscribe and follow. I can see stats, I can see analytics, I can see that we have more listeners than followers. Let's fix that. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do. Again, doesn't mean you have to listen to every single episode we come out with, but hey, at least it's there in front of you, should you want to listen to it if it's not the worst idea in the world. Let's get into one of the most fun games I have watched Ohio State men's basketball play in quite some time. Let me ask you a question before we get kicked off here. What does the Ohio State men's basketball win over Iowa have in common with the 2016 NBA Finals Game 7 with UNC and Villanova in the National Championship game with many other big games like Illinois upsetting Penn State 20-18 to in the first ever nine-overtime game in college football history. What do all of those things have in common? Well... It's nothing groundbreaking. It's that all of those games now live in a note of my phone. I have a running note in my phone, and you should too. Far be it for me to tell you what to do with your life and what to do with your phone technology. But at least for me, I have a note in my phone of the best games I've ever watched. Do I ever go back and watch highlights of these games? No. If I do, it's rare. But at least gives me the memory of some games that I've watched live, like the 2016 The Game, Ohio State beating Michigan in football. Games like those that I just, as I watch it, it was so fun to watch. It was captivating. And at the end, I just jotted down on my note. And I've got, as I scroll through here, probably 30 games or so that I can remember. Remember that Toronto playoff game, uh, Toronto Blue Jays playoff game, Jose Bautista bat flip. All that stuff, I think, against the Texas Rangers. That's included in there as well. So is this Ohio State-Iowa game. That was a fun one. 18 lead changes in this one as Ohio State knocks off Iowa, gets an upset victory. Let's talk about the game first, and then we'll go from there. So, starting with this game, again, 18 lead changes in this one. A back-and-forth affair, starting from the top. Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Bryce Sensabaugh, Justice Suing, Felix Akpara, the starters again in this one. Bruce Thornton leads the way for Ohio State with 17 points. Bryce Sensabaugh not far behind with 16. 
Justice Sewing with 14. And then off the bench, it's Sean McNeil with 13 points. Key stat for this one, Iowa in wins this season. They shoot 42% from behind the arc. And in losses, they shoot 24%. Iowa in this game. Do you know how well they shot from deep? I can tell you right now. 4 of 17. And if you don't have that quick math gene, unlike me, of course, I knew this off the top of my head. That percentage is 23.5%, which rounds up to 24%. The exact percentage Iowa shoots in losses from deep is what they shot in this one. Iowa also turned the ball over 11 times. Those would end up being the two key stats of this game. So how did this game start? Well, the Buckeyes were running the shot clock down. They were getting into their sets far too late, causing bad shots. Just assuming Roddy Gale, others got bad shots off pretty quickly into this game. And you were like, oh no, this is not the way we want to start. Buckeyes played well defensively. They rotated quickly, but they just allowed penetration too much early on. And of the first 11 points Iowa scored, eight came from the paint. The other three came from a triple. 13 minutes in, it was an 11-10 game with Iowa holding on to a slim lead. And then Ohio State tries to grab some momentum. Bryce Sensabaugh hits one of the most impossible faders that you'll see. That shot will not get as much love as it deserves, but it was a nasty fader from the paint. That would get him to six points, I think three of five from the field at that point, giving Ohio State a 12-11 to 11 lead with 12 minutes left. But Iowa would answer back, and that would be the story of this game. Each team answering back with scores of their own to take back leads or keep the game close. Iowa would bring out that pesky full-court press that Ohio State has really struggled with this year. They brought it out after a timeout with 11 minutes left. They force a 10-second violation the first time they brought it out. It's a continuation of the Buckeyes just playing too slow. They take way too long to get set up on, on possessions, and we saw it again here. Leads to a turnover. Then the very next possession, Iowa puts the press on again. Buckeyes take too long to get set up. Justice Suing forces a bad three, and then the next possession, Ohio State has to take a timeout with seven seconds left on the shot clock. So this was a point where Iowa's defense was really giving Ohio State fits, but the Buckeyes able to respond. Not only were they able to respond, but it came on the defensive end first. Buckeyes played with active hands. Isaac Likely had a tip passed. Eugene Brown also had a tip passed. Sean McNeil gets a steal early on. Roddy Gale on the next possession after McNeil's steal. He goes to a blindside choke, pokes the ball free. Iowa able to recover and ends up as a three making it a 21-20 game, Iowa with the lead with six minutes left, but the Buckeyes were able to take the first momentum swing of the game. McNeil hits an assisted three from Bryce Sensenball with eight minutes left, and the Buckeyes then at that point go up 21-15. to Then we go back and forth. It was a seesaw affair. That's that's the the, the toy, I guess you can say, that, that you would play on at, at the playground. Is that a, That's a seesaw, right, I believe? Anywho... Seesaw affair, you get the analogy. Iowa regains a lead, five minutes left. A block leads to a Philip Rebraca big-time hammer to go up 24-23. to 23. And this was a point where Iowa could maybe get some momentum. It was a, a really nice dunk 
one-handed. You like what you see if you're an Iowa fan and you're like, man, maybe we can get some momentum here. Well, in that same time frame, Bryce Sensabaugh picks up his second foul. He's fighting for an offensive rebound. Not really a good foul. And now you're like, again, as an Ohio State fan, are things going to melt down at this point? Four minutes left in the game. Iowa leads 24 to 23. Four minutes left in the first half, I should say. And this is a point, again, I'll preface it. Do I even need to preface it anymore? If you're a new listener, you haven't heard this. Anytime I talk about Chris Holtman, I preface it by saying we shouldn't fire him this year. If you're asking for him to be fired, you're short-sighted, yada, yada, yada. Buckeyes have some great recruits coming in next year. You don't want to lose him. Anyways, one criticism you can have of Chris Holtman is the way that his teams close out halves and games. Four minutes left. Iowa leading 24 to 23. Ohio State would close out this half up six to five. You'll take that. And into halftime, Ohio State, they hold a lead over Iowa, 29 to 28. It's just a one-point lead, but you'll take it. And a couple big time stats here at the half. Iowa, of their 28 points in the first half, 18 of them came from inside the paint. Not good. Iowa, although only 2 of 10 from 3. The biggest storyline, and I tweeted this as well at halftime. I always tweet out a halftime diary. That way you can really see into my thoughts and my heart as an Ohio State observer trying to be unbiased, at least as much as I can. And as a part of that, I said Ohio State, those 20 minutes were the best 20 minutes of defensive basketball Ohio State has played all season. They were so active in the passing lanes, tipping balls, deflecting passes, poking the ball free, stealing the ball, getting some blocks. It was phenomenal. The only issue Ohio State had when it came to playing defense in the first half, it was pretty simple. Just too many points in the paint. They did a great job, really Essentially, I would say making Iowa uncomfortable. They were the aggressors defensively. And you go into the half feeling really, really good. I tweeted at halftime. It was a really good half of basketball. Ohio State only up by one. But man, you got to feel good going into halftime if you're Ohio State. You open up the second half and Iowa brings out that full court press again. It forces a turnover some rather just uncomfortable moments as well where you're watching the game and you're like, oh boy, this is this is not what you want to see from Ohio State out of the second half. But Ohio State able to deal with it a little bit. Then you get Felix Akpara grabbing a defensive rebound right under the hoop. He gets trapped. He throws, throws it off an Iowa player with 22 on the shot clock. Now, Ohio State calls a timeout. You don't have two seconds to get the ball over the half-court line after a timeout. You get 10 more seconds. Ohio State calls that timeout. They get the ball across the half-court line, and Ohio State able to break the pressure, but only have 13 seconds to get a shot off. Leads to a bad shot by Justice Suing that kind of got stripped at the same time. Ohio State able to recover defensively. They sprint down the court, but they give out a a bucket on, on an offensive rebound. Plus a free throw after a foul, and Iowa is up 37-33 to with 15 minutes left to go. Then, Ohio State again trying to get back in this game. It was teetering. Ohio State lead, Iowa lead. Ohio State lead, 
Iowa lead, tie game, all those types of things. That's how this entire game went. Sean McNeil, when you feel like Ohio State really needs a bucket, he comes through with a big three with about 14 and a half minutes left to go. He makes a score 37-36. Again, you felt Ohio State needed a bucket, and they get one. But then on the other end, Iowa responds again. Again, it's Philip Rebracco who had a pretty game, pretty good game. He gets another bucket. Iowa goes back up by three. Then Bruce Thornton. He scores with a floater in the paint. Brings it back down to one. Ohio State gets a stop. And then Sean McNeil hits a pull-up jumper. And he puts Ohio State up again, 40-39, to 39, as the Buckeyes reclaim the lead with 13 minutes left. And as I think back to the game at this point, 13 minutes left in the game. It felt like an eternity was left to play in this game. As I look back, just with how stressful it was watching this game. Tony Perkins, he of course responds with hitting a shot. He gets fouled. It's Bruce Thornton's third, and he hits his free throw, and it's nauseating at this point. If you're just a fan of college basketball, you love watching this game. If you're an Ohio State or Iowa fan, you are struggling to get through it. At least I was. It was a tough watch just because of how stressful it was, how exciting it was. It was nauseating. The next few minutes are filled with lead changes and a lot of offense. The Buckeyes score 8 of 13 points. They've got a lead of 49 to 48 with 11 minutes left. They call a timeout with 11 minutes left, and that leaves them with one timeout remaining. I'll talk about that later. During this time, there's seven lead changes in two minutes and 12 seconds. And then Iowa starts to feel like they might pull away. On any measure, whatever it was, the smallest to the biggest metric in the game, it felt like Iowa began to win six out of every 10 times. If it came to simply making the right pass, getting the right shot up, moving defensively, It just felt like Iowa was slowly but surely inching away and building tiny, tiny, microscopic bits of momentum. The lead changes, instead of being two-point leads for Iowa, were ballooning up to four points. And a four-point lead doesn't sound like a lot, but in a game that that was that close, you get nervous as an Ohio State fan. Well, Ohio State finally is able to slow down Iowa, and they get to stop Roddy Gale Jr., who was as clutch as clutch gets to close this game. Mark it down now. Roddy Gale Jr. will be a star for Ohio State next year. He hits a three, was huge closing out this game, and Ohio State gets the lead back 64-61 to with three minutes and 17 seconds remaining. At that time, Iowa calls a timeout. Iowa comes back. No scoring. Tony Perkins ends up getting fouled, and he gets two free throws with two minutes and 30 seconds left. He misses the first, shoots his second, and again misses. And you're pulling your hair out as an Iowa fan because Tony Perkins is a guy who typically will make those free throws. As this season has gone on, he's been a very trustworthy player for Iowa. And then, if you've seen a replay of this game, You saw it. When Justice Suing hit this shot, you knew that to the point in the game, it was the biggest shot of the game. Shot clock dwindling down, and Suing throws up a three, goes in. He bobbles the pass a little bit, 
but with the shot going in, the Buckeyes go up by four, and then Ohio State takes its final timeout with a minute and 34 seconds left. At this point, Ohio State was trying to set up its offense, trying to get a bucket. They're only up by two after Iowa responds with a bucket. I personally didn't like it. I actually hated it, to be honest. With as much trouble as Ohio State has had simply inbounding the ball this season against the press and against Iowa, and they've gotten slowed down by the press, it just didn't feel right. Ohio State, when they get uncomfortable, you need that timeout. Now, out of the timeout, Bruce Thornton hits a layup with one second on the shot clock. McNeil was doubled, but the Buckeyes were able to move the ball well. Thornton gets to the left block, and he hits a layup. Buckeyes go up 69-65. So, the Buckeyes call a timeout, but Chris Holtman at least helps Ohio State and aids them to get a bucket to go up by four again. Would not having a timeout affect Ohio State to close out this game? Stay tuned. I'll talk about that. So, Roddy Gale, speaking of him, after Iowa yet again scores, Roddy Gale hits two free throws. The Buckeyes go up by four with 20.8 seconds left. And here's where not having that timeout affected Ohio State mightily and could have swung this game much, much differently. The Buckeyes are only up by two at this point. As Ohio State tries to inbound it, they barely, and I mean barely, get it in. The pass gets tipped, and then at that point, there's 74 different times where a body hits the floor, it felt like. Ball goes down a little bit before half court. Justice Sewing grabs it, throws it up to Bruce Thornton. He sprints down the other way. He said post-game, he was trying to score. He wanted to end the game right then and there. Well, he would dribble it off his leg. Then we have another scrum for the ball. It gets end up thrown out of bounds. You know this scene? If you've seen Despicable Me, if you haven't, this maybe won't make sense. But this is what it reminded me of. You know when there's that, that banana that is presented to the minions? And everyone wants that banana. That's what it felt like. Just utter chaos as Iowa players and Ohio State players were battling on the floor, diving on the floor, wanting that loose ball, giving it their all. And the Buckeyes end up with it. Iowa turns it over. Justice Suing gets the ball with nine seconds left. He's got two free throws to ice the game. He makes the first, makes the second. Buckeyes up by four. Iowa unable to score. And the Buckeyes close out the win, 73-69. A very, very stressful game. Speaking of it being a stressful game, to win that one was about as fun as it gets. And Justice Suing kind of exemplified this post game. They the the Big Ten Network grabbed Justice Suing, said, "Come up on stage. Let's interview you on TV." And Suing, I didn't take note of anything he said. All I could see was a young man. A senior leader for Ohio State stepping up, hit two huge free throws, and just on the verge of smiling the entire time he had that mic in front of him. You could just tell how proud he was, and he was beaming. It was an incredible display of an entire team stepping up when they needed to the most here in the Big Ten tournament, and yet again, they win. Suing looks so proud. Of the scrum, Bruce Thornton said, that it just showed that they wanted it more. Buckeyes end up with the ball. Can't disagree with that. Justice Suing 
said when he got the ball, or sorry, yeah, it, actually it was Justice Suing. Sorry, again, I can make mistakes here. This isn't even live, but I, I don't even edit it out. I want to be authentic and vulnerable with you, okay? Sue me. Justice Suing had the ball. He he threw it up to Bruce Thornton, and Suing said he didn't know who had the possession arrow in the post game. Chris Holtman joked with him. He was sitting right beside him in the press conference, and he said, well, dude, I told you that we had the possession arrow at the timeout, and apparently in one ear, out the other. You can take that one of two ways. Oh, Justice sucks. His awareness wasn't where it needed to be. His head wasn't in the game, whatever. I'd like to see you make the right decision at that point and a jump ball and a scrum like that. What does it tell me? It tells me this Ohio State men's basketball team is having fun. So many people said that Chris Holtman had lost the locker room. There's no leadership. That's up to be debated, obviously, throughout the season. Even Holtman talked about that, said key. Since he's been out for the year, he's spoken about how he might do things differently if he had the chance to go back, but you can't. Regardless, this team is 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 just having fun right now. And it's exciting to see we're watching Bruce Thornton and Felix Akpara and Roddy Gale today just grow up in front of our eyes. It's very, very fun. This team is having fun, enjoying playing with one another, and enjoying finally winning. But winning here in the Big Ten comes with a cost. It means Ohio State will have to play again, or we'll get to play again. They're going to play Michigan State tomorrow. You may be listening to this on Friday, which would be today. Ohio State plays Michigan State as I will release this pod late Thursday night. But hey, if the job's not done, we we got to finish it, right? So we're recording late at night, just how it goes. Let's talk about Michigan State. Well, the Spartans, of course, have won both meetings this year. They won 84-78 to just on Sunday, and they won 62-41 to on February 12th from the shot. I was there. It was a miserable game to watch. But Michigan State as a team, since then, they've won five of seven. And again, with this double bye, they haven't played a game since Sunday when they played Ohio State. So there will be some arguments that Michigan State is going to be rusty. My argument will be they will be very, very well rested and locked in. They've got plenty to play for, obviously trying to win another Big Ten tournament championship. Michigan State now as a team, they're 31st in Ken Palm, 6-9 in quad, quad 1 games this year, 6 wins in Quad 1 games. They're ranked 28th in Ken Palm and very, very, very balanced. 35th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 38th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Now, their offense and defensive metrics, they're pretty solid. 5th in the Big Ten in scoring at 731 points per game. They're eighth in field goal percentage. That's fine. 45.2%. But they're first in three-point percentage in the Big Ten at 40.1%. That is also third in the entire NCAA this season. Only two teams shooting the ball better from deep than Michigan State percentage-wise. But Michigan State is only seventh in made three-pointers in the Big Ten. And They don't even have a top 100 three-point shooter in the nation. If you look at 1 through 50 and then 51 through 100 of three-point shooters percentage-wise in the entire NCAA, like I did, you'll see the same exact thing. There's not one player representing 
Michigan State on that list. So somehow they are the best three-point shooting team in the Big Ten. They're the third best in the nation, and they do not have a top 100 three-point shooter. Riddle me that. Michigan State, by the way, also the best free-throw shooting team in the Big Ten. Now defensively, they're seventh in points per game allowed, 67 points per game allowed. That's about a plus six points per game margin. They're six in field goal percentage at 42% allowed from the field. And not only do they make a lot of threes in terms of efficiency, but they have the second best three-point defensive metric as well, allowing just under 31% of three-point attempts to go in. They don't block a lot of shots. They don't steal the ball away a lot, but they're an efficient team offensively and defensively. They're also not the best rebounding team. They're eighth in the Big Ten, fourth in rebounding margin. And again, I gave some very clear parameters as to why Ohio State's path through this Big Ten tournament was the best that they could have gotten. Wisconsin, that's the matchup you want in the first round. I said why. I said how Wisconsin could be exposed, and that's exactly how Ohio State exposed Wisconsin in the first game. Then against Iowa, I said why it's not a bad thing that Ohio State is matching up with Iowa. Iowa likes to play very fast. So does Ohio State. Iowa likes to get a lot of shots up. So does Ohio State. Iowa, not a great rebounding team. Ohio State, not a lot of size right now. I like the matchup. Again, Michigan State, not the best rebounding team. They do not have the the biggest threats down low in the post either. No offense to Mati Sosko, but it's true. So it is what it is. It's, again, not a horrible matchup for Ohio State. If you're picking any of the top four teams who have double buys and are playing their first game on Friday, Michigan State is a team that Ohio State probably wants to draw. Now, of course, you've got your players. You've got Tyson Walker, 11th in scoring in the Big Ten at 14.8 points per game. Joey Hauser just behind at 14.2 points per game. And A.J. Hogard is, I believe, third in the Big Ten with 6.1 assists per game. This isn't a team that will go out there and pass the ball a lot and, and get a bunch of buckets off of quick passes, but they take care of the ball pretty well as well. So that's kind of Michigan State as a team. Again, it's not the worst matchup, in my opinion, and Ohio State is among the hottest teams in the Big Ten right now. Michigan State is right up there. They, they've won five of their past seven games. Ohio State has won four of their past five, and their only loss in those five games is against Michigan State on Sunday, of course, where they went into a hostile environment. Michigan State on senior day, I do not want to be visiting Michigan State on any senior day when it comes to basketball. That's an electric environment, and Ohio State lost by six. They covered the spread. What else can you ask them to do? So, Keys to the game in this one. How can Ohio State beat Michigan State? Well, number one, I would love to see them play more aggressive defense like they did against Iowa. Against Iowa, they had five blocks, three steals, forced 11 turnovers. What does this do? Number one, very simply, it gives you more possessions and gives, number two, gives your opponent less offensive possessions. What else does it do? Messes with the mental psyche of the other team you're facing because you're constantly on edge. You're constantly getting the ball poked free. Go back and watch this game. Ohio State deflections, poking the ball free, getting loose balls. It happened more, I think, than Ohio State has had in this entire season. I'm sure there's an assistant coach 
or a grad assistant or a, a student manager who can tell me if this is the game in which Ohio State had the most loose balls forced or deflected passes or anything like that, but I don't have access to them currently, so I don't know. I'll just go out on a limb and say this was their best defensive performance, at least for the first half and especially into the second half too. They played really, really well. They limited a very, very electric Iowa offense, one of the best in the entire nation, and that's what I want to see Ohio State do against Michigan State. Now, Michigan State has a veteran presence at guard and at at forward as well, the three and the four. Obviously, Joey Hauser feels like he's been in the Big Ten. He's had, what, four or five senior days at this point? At least that's how it feels. This is a veteran team who can probably handle it and will be up for it, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ohio State played really, really well defensively in this game against Iowa. Would love to see that aggressive play continue. The other thing that I'd like to see from Ohio State in terms of keys to the game would be get into sets quickly. We saw this happen too much against Iowa. We've seen it against Wisconsin. We've seen it essentially whenever the opponent defense is able to put some pressure on Ohio State's offense, we see them really slow down, and that's when they lose. That's when they miss shots, when they slows down and they lose time on the shot clock. Ohio State just simply doesn't have great ISO players. Last year, it seemed like you can ISO EJ Liddell or Malachi Branham, and the Buckeyes could just get buckets. This year, sure, Bryce Sensabaugh at times can be that guy. Bruce Thornton, maybe. Justice Suing, maybe. Sean McNeil, maybe. But there's not a, a sure threat when you go ISO and you get down to five seconds on the shot clock. Who do you get the ball to? That's where Ohio State struggles offensively. And they beat Iowa simply by moving the ball. They had 17 assists in that win. So even if Michigan State does come out with pressure, even if they try to just slow you down with the press, get the ball up the floor controlled and get into a set quickly. Don't wait until 13 seconds on the shot clock to get going. Those are my two keys to the game. The last thing I'll say, tell you what, uh, this is a, a tall tale passed on from generation to generation, from Papa down to Pappy, down to your grandfather, down to your father, down to you. It is hard to beat the same team three times in a season. At least that's what we're told. I don't know if there's statistically significant evidence to back that up. Statistically significant evidence. Shout out to me for spitting that out clearly, not once, but twice in the matter of about five seconds there. Very impressive on my behalf, I will say. Hard to beat a team three times in the same season. At least it's been said. As I said, going into this tournament, Ohio State's path to being the first team to get to Saturday who plays on a Wednesday to start the Big Ten tournament. No team who has started the tournament on Wednesday has ever made it to the semifinals. So if Ohio State wins this game against Michigan State, Ohio State will be setting a record, breaking a record. I liked the the path to get to this game. At this point now, Buckeyes just playing on house money. They're trying to keep this going. They're playing good basketball, even against Michigan State in their loss. They didn't look horrible in their loss against Penn State. They didn't look all that bad either. Ohio State is playing the best basketball that it has. These Buckeyes, they've got confidence. And at this point, 
you never know what can happen. The last thing that I will say, and I lost the tweet. I did. So I apologize for that. I lost the tweet. But Ohio State back in, I think, 2003-2004 or 2002-2003. They beat Iowa. They beat Michigan State. And they beat Wisconsin in route to going to the Big Ten tournament championship game in which they lost to number 13 seeded Illinois somehow. Those are the three teams that Ohio State has played. They've beaten two of them. If they win this game, they will then have beaten Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, just like back then. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Ohio State will take on Michigan State on Friday afternoon. I will be back to recap another Ohio State game, hopefully a another win, a third in a row for the third straight day. You'll get to hear from me. If you like that, great. If not, I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.